Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News, and I am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts. Hi, I'm Hui Chen Buyer, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and I'm also a little bit sick. It's okay, uh, Dad. So, happy holidays, guys. It's December. We've conquered the year now it's time to sit back relax and enjoy a little bit of a an excellent animated movie this week we'll we'll be reviewing spider-man into the spider-verse if i'm crazy i'm on my own if i'm waiting it's on my throne if i sound lazy just ignore my tone because i'm always gonna answer when you call my phone like what's up danger and with that why don't we get into who directed and written and starred in it? Um, apologies for my disgusting voice this week. Uh, it's cool. It sounds like you got gravitas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It also sounds gravitas and gravelly. Um, <laughs> so Spider-Verse was directed by Bob uh, Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. And as well as written by Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman with a story credit by Phil Lord. So uh, one half of Lord and Miller, the, they produced it as for uh, for Sony. Um, it stars Shamik Moore as Mar- Miles Morales, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Mahershala Ali as Uncle Aaron, Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Davis, Miles's father, Lily Tomlin as Aunt May. John Mulaney as Spider-Ham, Zoe Kravitz as Mary Jane, Kimiko Glenn as Penny Parker, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir, and Katherine Hahn as Doc Ock, and Liev Schreiber as Wilson Fisk, and Chris Pine as the first Peter Parker that we, we see. We will in get the movie. into that. Um, <laughs> what a good cast. What a this great cast, cast is stacked. It is like, stacked. Like that is one of the most stacked casts. <laughs> for an animated movie, I feel like, in a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, and we haven't even gotten to... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in spoilers, but there's one more Spider-Man that we can't talk about until you've actually seen the movie. Um, yes. So. We'll get into that. We'll um, get into... Well, yes. <laughs> so, you you guys have heard how Willoughby and I feel about this film. I don't think we need to kind of give our first reactions. You guys know that Willoughby and I love this film, um, and we will discuss more as we get into our plot theming characters um but ht as the person who hadn't seen it the last time we recorded didn't get to join our excited glee you've now seen it yes and what are your thoughts well first i want to give a brief rundown of what the plot of this movie is uh so spider-man into the spider-verse follows miles morales as he's bitten by a radioactive spider and uh gains spider powers and he uh, stumbles upon this big climactic fight between Peter Parker and uh, Kingpin and like a whole host of Spider-Man rogues and uh, witnesses, this is not a spoiler, the death of that Peter Parker. And in doing so, that launches him into being Spider-Man. And of course, um, things go horribly awry when Kingpin's... Um, big device that Peter Parker was fighting him over uh, creates like this multiverse of Spider-Men who come and arrive into this alternate into this universe and uh, threaten the collapse of uh, the multiverse 
entirely. Well, it's not their fault, though. It's just the, the entire thing is collapsing, and they're not in the right universe. So they team up. You know, and, you're, uh, you're, you're everyday Spider-Man You're plot. everyday Spider-Man plot. They team up, and they, you know, kick butt in their best Spidey ways. So uh, what I thought about this movie, I loved it. It's definitely, Yay! despite having, like, you know, really standing for animation and all of its potential and all that it can do and having uh, watched quite a lot of animated movies that have uh, tested the boundaries of the filmmaking genre and like medium um, altogether this is nothing like anything I've seen before it is I'm really curious as to how like they did it because it's just like this um, amalgam of like animation styles that all come together and it's this beautifully done, like, 3D animated movie in a way that, like, 3D animation has not been done before. Like, 3D animation itself has kind of fallen into this uh, trap of just, like, imitating better 3D animated movies before it. So basically everything Pixar and just kind of making it rounder and more shinier. But this one really stretches the limits of the capacity of this medium and makes it look like something out of like a Roy Lichtenstein or Andy Warhol like pop art installation while blending that with like comic book sensibilities and making it seem just so um kinetic and alive and like visually stunning it's like one of the most beautiful movies I've seen um and I absolutely loved like everything about this like I was worried at first that because though I like Lord and Miller and like what they've done with Lego movie their humor tends to be a little bit um, too self-aware for me sometimes in a way that I'm like, oh, it's just like, it's kind of smug. And while this movie does sort of like teeter on that precipice and it is very self-aware, I felt like it wasn't in that self-satisfied way. It did it in a way that serviced the story and what provided like fun sort of nods and Easter eggs for fans of superhero movies. But at the same time, it it captured that emotional core of Spider-Man movie that in a way that like will be able to appeal to non-superhero fans and makes it just a strong story in general like I was amazed at like how much they were able to cram in this movie with all the references but also the way that they were able to actually tell Miles' story um earnestly in a way that like you know made you really care for this character and all the characters really like it's such a colorful kaleidoscopic movie and i'm so happy that i got to finally watch it and yes i loved it yay yeah i completely agree i especially with the lord miller like humor stuff i feel like this humor was a perfect balance um not only for like marvel fans but like i read a really great article that like this movie from like a black writer that this movie felt like authentically black Mm -hmm. and that a lot of the like humor and some of the references and stuff like you know really fit Miles as, like, a black Latino kid in New York City. And just props to this movie for everything. So good. You will be. I think you're the one who's, like, the most enamored with this movie. You're, like, going to, go into, what's the word? Just gunning for it, like, hardcore. So please tell oh, us, like, what it, you love about it. It is, or- it is my number one film on Letterboxd currently. It is it, it beat Black Panther and Mission Impossible Fallout for my number one movie of the year. Um, spoiler alert, I guess, if we're going to do, like, top tens at some point. Um, this movie is the bee's knees. There's nothing I don't like about this movie. I think it's a perfect film. I think it's a great superhero film. It's definitely the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Um, I think that in terms of, like, a comic book movie adaptation it excels in that in 
ways that I don't think any other comic book movie has ever done. Uh, it it perfectly captures just like the feel of reading like a paneled book uh, of like oh, you're moving from one one piece of action to another piece of action in like such a fluid and artistic way that I think that this movie like once it gets going, it never stops. And I love that. There's so much about it that is kinetic and cinematic that it it fully like you can tell that the animators put in so much work for this, but they made it look effortless because it looks like nothing I've ever seen before. I feel like we've entered a new age in animation because I feel like this is I feel like this is when people saw like Toy Story for the first time in their life. And they're just like, oh, this is different. This is new. This is something that we've never seen before. Because what they've done here is they've made a 3D, a 3D, uh, like a computer generated movie look 2D in a sense that like they've blended this 2D, 3D animation to a point where you're just like, you're not even sure what to call it anymore. It's just, it's an animated film, but it's an animated masterpiece. Like Lord and Miller are not the director's and writers like they have been for let's say like 22 jump street or the lego movie like there's a lot more people involved in the top like like none neither of them directed this film but uh phil lord definitely wrote part of it and so like you can tell that it they are definitely shepherding this piece of animation along in their sensibility but i feel like they've they've brought on people who can tell the story more accurately and tell it with more with more than just what Phil Phil Lord and Chris Miller can bring to it. And I mean, I, I love those guys. Can I just say something real quick? Like, yeah, I just want to say like on that note, it kind of, you know, makes me a bit sad that like, because Phil Lord like has the name recognition that like he's who a lot of people are talking about when mm-hmm. like you look at someone like Peter Ramsey, who directed this film, who is a black director and his directorial debut was an animated film. It was Rise of the Guardians, which is a movie I love and already think is great. And I think I think we should be talking about Peter Ramsey more in terms of, like, the creation of this film and, you know, what he did. This was only his second... Or this was his... This was his next film after Rise of the Guardians because he hasn't done a film in six years. Mm-hmm. Um... And I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Oh, of course. I think he's really great. I, and, and, I, and I, oh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I have not seen that movie. Uh, it's very probably good. Cause, good. It's so good. Pro- it's probably because, is this, wait, is this the one with the owls or the one with the. It's the one with the hot, the hot Jack Frost. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's one about like, all the holiday characters. It's, Legends of the Guardians is the one with the owls, right? Yeah. I watched that uh, for my recent column where I highlighted the an- beautiful animated movies. And while that's a horrible movie, the animation is pretty gorgeous. And yet there's, there's like, they play Owl City's songs during that movie. And I thought it was hilarious. Owl City and an owl movie. Anyway, yeah. So I saw Rise of the Guardians and I thought that was a pretty good movie. Um, I think... I think it helps that Phil Lord and Chris Miller are on board because they can like, they are successful in what they've done. So they can sort of shepherd this along. Um, And I think that it helps that. Yeah. Like I was saying, like they brought on people, there are other people on board who are just not Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And I totally get it. This is sort of like, 
a new film by producer J.J. Abrams, even though he's not directing it. You know, it's one of those situations. Mm, yeah. Um, but I think that this movie uh, is it extends beyond just being like a Spider-Man movie. I feel like this is one of the best animated movies of all time. Oh, for sure. Like I just have I just have a feeling that it's going to be like a landmark achievement in in what they've done. Um, they just the whole it flows so well. And, like, the story is pretty simple. It's like, oh, yeah, they open up a hole in the space-time continuum and five more spider people come out and they have to save the the multiverse so they have to shut it down. And, like, that's basically, like, that's that's the plot. But there's so much more to it. The characters are so great. Each each individual spider person is amazing. You've got Gwen Stacy. You've got a, a, a Peter Parker from the 30s who's a private eye and also Spider-Man who's voiced by Nicolas Cage. I loved everything about this character. We've got John Mulaney as a pig who's also Spider-Man. And like a Looney Tunes type of um, Tunes. homage. Yeah. And we've got, we've got like an anime-inspired character. Uh, uh penny parker who is also the comic for that was written by gerard way who, lead singer of mcr yeah he's Michael getting in, he's, he's getting into comic getting books lately real into graphic novels yeah. i mean his graphic novels being adapted into like a is it a netflix series with, yeah uh, Ellen netflix Page. Series. yeah he's like uh he's he doesn't care about music anymore he's like i'm just gonna be the graphic novelist i've always wanted to be and props to hey, him and honestly it's, work, it's working out for him yeah and then we've got jake johnson <laughs> as uh I wouldn't say deadbeat Peter Parker, but just like tired Peter Parker. Very tired. Old, old <laughs> washed, boy Peter washed out Peter Parker. Yeah. I mean, his Peter Parker is like a mood for the end of 2018. Honestly. I was like watching this and I was like, it doesn't come out in the beginning of the year. Like, I would have been like, ugh, tired Peter Parker, whatever. But it came out at the end of 2018 and I was like, I feel you, Peter feel Parker. You. Like, when he tries to finish his pizza when he's being sucked into the. That's I was like, that's how portal. we're all feeling right now. Honestly, I was just like, I would do he's, that too. I don't know when the next gets, time I'm going to eat. He's wearing sweatpants. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and then we've got, and then there's Chris Pine as quote unquote perfect Peter Parker, who's like millennial Peter Parker, because uh, he was born in 1991 according to the headstone. He is perfect. It's it's great too that like they made him blonde and kind of modeled him off of Chris Pine too. I felt like. You know, like they the way that they designed his character, I was just like, wow, he kind of looks like Chris Pine. <laughs> yeah. So funny story, Willoughby and I chatted about this, but I hadn't heard about the casting of Chris Pine in this movie. Mm. Like I completely missed it, but I knew Jake Johnson had been cast as Peter Parker. Yeah. So when the movie started, I was like, God, Jake Johnson sounds so much like Chris Pine. Like <laughs> what is he doing with his voice? Like he just sounds a lot like Chris Pine. And then... That Peter Parker, spoiler alert, but you already know all our movie reviews have spoilers, shouldn't need to be said. When that Peter Parker dies and we get deadbeat Peter Parker, I was like, oh, wait, that sounds like Jake Johnson. Maybe he just, like, changed his voice for the two Peter Parkers. I was like, okay. And then the credits rolled and it was like, Peter Parker, Chris Pine. And I was like, I knew it. <laughs> I know the best Chris's voice. So actually, I didn't know it was Chris Pine um, until like the movie came out and everyone kind of talked about it. I was like, oh, he could, he's in this movie. But I hadn't realized that he would be the Spider-Man at the beginning of the film. I thought like he would make a cameo or something and it'd be like uncredited cameo. I was like, oh, 
I'm so excited for Chris Pine to show up. And then, like, he immediately, like, starts talking. I'm like, that's Chris. My boy. My favorite Chris. The best Chris. My boy. Don't you know? Just, we just love how we just know his voice. We We're know. Like, mm, that's Chris We can Pine. feel it in our souls. Yes. Uh. All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this could turn into, like, the Chris Pine so, podcast. Hour, but... So we're talking about we're talking about spoilers now. Yeah. I think it's fa- fair to say that we could talk about the end credit scene. Yeah, um, the one that I forgot to stay for. Yeah, which Anya, what, how many Marvel movies have you been to? <laughs> Literally, my roommate and I were singing together, and I think neither of us just like thought of it as like a Marvel TM movie. Sure. Like, obviously, Spider Man is Marvel. Like, I know it's Marvel, but like, it was an animated film, so I just didn't think about like extra scenes and like my roommate really had to go to the bathroom and so we were like all right let's go and so we left before it and so i didn't know about this secret scene and the secret actor until willoughby told me and i was like what anya tell me wait tell me that that at least you stayed long enough in the credits to hear chris pine singing the entirety of uh, spidey bells no and then willoughby linked me that and was like anya listen to this and i was like I missed out on so much. There's a lot going on in the credits. I thank you, Willoughby, for like watching out for me. Yeah, he's like he's our spider, our superhero, our superhero stalwart. I just want to make sure that you get the most content out of this movie. I I appreciate that, and I appreciate so, you. We need to talk about Oscar Isaac as Miguel. Miguel, Oscar it, Isaac. I, that was Oscar Spider-Man Isaac. Twenty nine That was Oscar Isaac. Oh my god. So, yep. so like two of the best boys are in this movie. They are the best as Spider boys. people. Oh my god! Yeah, Oscar Isaac voices uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, and he's probably going to be in the sequel because they hinted that multi dimensions are opening back up. So, so can you tell us who Spider Man twenty ninety nine is? Because when I saw him, I was like, I feel like I should know this guy, but I have no idea. And I was just very happy to see that they did the meme, and that was it. I was like, they did the meme. Oh, that was a really good meme. <laughs> okay, so quick. Quick note on Spider-Man 2099. Uh, Spider-Man 2099 is a character that is based on Marvel's 2099 comic book line in a set in a futuristic reimagining of uh, Marvel, basically. Um, he appeared in 1992, and his name is Miguel O'Hara. And he's basically like the Spider-Man of the future. Mm-hmm. So he's like Batman Beyond for Spider-Man. Basically, yeah. Um, and it's great. And so, hope, so we're gonna get Oscar Isaac again as a voice actor. Who he's very good. He um, is. He he sold the meme part really well. And, and yeah, and that was a uh, Jorma Tacone as a uh, um, Spider-Man sixty-seven. Oh, what was the meme part? Oh, oh! I didn't want to spoil it. Okay, so they basically recreate the, they they recreate the Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man is pointing at, at at himself. Oh my god! Like they go into the animation of it, and one of the Spider-Man is Spider-Man from the from that comic, and then the end from the TV show, and then the other one is uh, Spider-Man twenty ninety nine, rendered like he's from nineteen sixty seven. That's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's I didn't want to spoil it because I was like, oh. You know, that, that'll be a nice, like, second viewing rewatch uh, surprise. I mean, but also... I'll see it again, but, like, it, it'll it still be amusing, like, seeing it for myself. But I love that they did that. Yeah. 
So we've sort of talked a lot about a lot of things. Do we want to dive into anything specific? Just talk about the, the, the characters, the cast. Let's start the with theme. the characters because they're like, I think There's the strongest so part of this entire yeah. movie. And I love Can we each of them so like, much. Miles and his family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the story is about Miles. And that's yes. something that I loved about this film is that they never got away from that. Yeah. And I just, I loved, again, I just, you know, I think we were all, we've all been waiting for a Miles story. Yes. We've all been asking for it for a very long time. Um, and I'm so glad that we finally got to see him and that, like, you know, some people I know were like, uh, like, of course they like relegated to an animated film, which like, mm. stop putting down animation. But also like this movie did him so much justice. I felt like I loved seeing him at home with his mom and dad and his mom speaking Spanish to him. And, you know, his dad is a cop and like their relationship, the scene where he drops him off at yes. his new school and makes him say, I love you. I was cracking up. That's a copy. And I couldn't help but think like, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about like the idea of like black men specifically in media and them being depicted as like, like softer or more in touch with their emotions and more affectionate. Um, and I immediately thought of that when I watched that scene and the idea of like, a black father who's a cop being like, I love you, son, like say it back. And I was like, this is such like, it's not only a funny scene, but like it actually goes so much deeper. It's like what we talked about with Creed too. And like black men finally uh, grappling with that hypermasculinity that they've been forced to sort of abide by. Yeah. And so I loved seeing that in this movie too. Mm -hmm. It was so sweet. I also really like that they got to the sort of class tensions that Miles experiences by going to an elite school that he doesn't want yes. to go to. And they they do it in a really, in a way that's like really brisk and, but it touches on it and it doesn't like make it a central part, but it is like a central part of his character too, because he is stuck between two worlds essentially. Mm -hmm. And I like that, how they, how they deal with that. And it feels like it's something that while it's dealt with well here, it could be expanded upon even more so later on. Yeah. 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 I, I love it. Yeah. He's, he's very apt at code switching. Yes. That's it. He is. is. Like that, yeah, that, whole, really... that whole one shot from basically like his, t his home in Brooklyn to the, the, the visions Academy. He's basically like code switching from one, when he goes from his friends to people he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, what else? Oh, speaking of family, I didn't realize Mahershala Ali was going to play Uncle Aaron. I thought that was a pl pleasant surprise. Yeah, he was, he was great. great. Actually, it was funny because for a little bit, I thought it was Common because the character was kind of modeled. He looked, looked kind of like, like Common. Him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he has like a deeper voice and he's really good in the role. Um, But yeah, I, I liked the, their family dyna dynamic a lot. I liked how um immediately you get the sense of like how close their family is and yet there is that tension because his parents want better for her for him so he gets sent to like this more elite school that it takes him out of his comfort zone and that's where a lot of like their that tension between his parents lies but at the same time it's like it it creates something that you know like these this these people love each other and they will you know they have that immediately off off the bat and too that too with like his um the tension with his dad and his uncle which is really interesting because it kind of uh, uh, re applies to to a lot of 
it kind of it reminds me a little bit of the hate you give and that sort of um division between uh you know the sort of drug drug um lords that reign over a lot of like the neighborhoods and that have such a large influence and while it's kind of coded in that way with um his uncle and how his being more like not as like abiding by society's rules for how black men can like better themselves he's kind of just like he has wealth but he does it in a way that his father doesn't approve of and um it kind of is coded as being sort of like he is like a drug um hustler or something like that but it's it's given more of weight because he is part of the super villain he's a super villain yeah so that, i thought yeah, that was really and, interesting yeah and i remember watching it and like they definitely dropped hints that aaron was um the villain mm-hmm. forget his name the prowler prowler the prowler who by the way um, is terrifying hints, so like yeah he is terrifying so like before it was revealed i had already kind of guessed it but like mm-hmm. it didn't take away the weight of the reveal because like if you've already guessed it from like a like a narrative standpoint it doesn't take away from like miles discovering mm-hmm. this yeah. man who he so looked up to like hunting him essentially yeah yeah um and this man who had like provided such a safe space for miles now trying to kill him and in that safe space too exactly yeah it's it was it was like tough to watch just like you know empathizing with miles Mm -hmm. and watching him go through that um but uncle aaron was great i'm always like man like what is the curse of like the spider heroes always having to lose like and they literally have that discussion later on where miles is like you don't understand and they're like we're the only one to understand like uncle ben peter parker like we've lost and i'm like wow spider people have it yeah, and despite but it being such a... But now they have each a, other, and yeah. that's what's excellent about this movie. Is that they, have, family. They're, they're, they know that they're not the only ones anymore. Yeah, and despite it being such a well-worn like trope, it still hits just as hard when Miles you know, loses, spoiler alert, uh, Uncle Aaron, because he he's a character that we've come to know and we've come to like uh, have affection for Miles and his connection with his uncle. Like it really hurts just as much when he learns of his betrayal and also um, watches him die. And it's such, it's like Miles is such a good character. Like he really gets to the heart of what made Peter Parker so affectionate, like so uh, I'm able to con- able, easy to connect with at at the beginning because he is just he himself is like so empathetic and so fun and and interesting to watch and um that's why i think like it hits just as hard even though it's like oh this has happened like a a million other times and a million other multiverses but it's still like just as strong with when we see it with miles i think it's also helpful that it's just not uncle ben (laughs) like yeah it's it's an uncle we don't know yet yes that's like we got to know aaron this time and like it's a different person um like, I think you're right. Like, it, it still hits hard just because, like, knowing Miles and, like, how they how they depict it. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it uh, definitely helped that I was like, all right, I've seen Uncle Ben die a million times. But I've never seen Uncle Aaron die. <laughs> <laughs> Something a little new. And I think what what I really like about this story is that every time they introduce a new spider person, they're like, all right, here you go. You kind of know the story, but here, here's... Here's the deal. Here's the rundown. And they give like a minute that explanation of so who they cute. are. They were so they're cute. They're so good. I like when they when they first uh, try to explain like how they land in that, in that universe and like it's a long story and then they cut to like a two scene montage and like I guess it's not that long of a story. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. It was great. Yeah. Like it, even 
like within the movie itself, it starts to become self-aware of like things that it introduced at the beginning of the movie. And it becomes like this just one big self-aware circle. Which is what Spider-Man is. He's mm-hmm. very self-aware of himself. Like that's why he's so quippy is that he's like, oh, this he 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 kind of knows he's in a comic book, but also not not exactly like Deadpool knows he's in a comic book because Deadpool knows he's in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is just sort of like self-aware of the story that's being told. Right. Yeah, agreed. So let's get to some of the other characters because uh, we talked for like 15 minutes on Miles, who is great and, and deserves he's the all main that. So and he is the main sense. character. This is Miles' story more than anything. But um, I do want to talk about all the other characters who are so fully realized and colorful uh, well not so much in the in the case of nick cage's spider-man noir i see him black and white he's in black and white but um the rubik's cube i love that scene and and why is there rain why is there wind (laughs) the wind follows wherever i go and the wind smells like rain but the great thing is while they don't crowd miles's story too much they are characters that feel like they have the potential for their own spin-off movies and their own stories because they're just so Um, fleshed out in that way. Um, So instead of like going through each of them one by one, I just want to ask you which one is your favorite one and why? Spider Noir. Why will it be? Oh, because, uh, well, A, he punches Nazis, but also I just love the idea of a Spider-Man who's also a private detective, but it's also 1933. And like, he's like hard-boiled and like, he's, it's, he's just so like, like also like super edgy but also in a way that is like not uncomfortable like he's just like sometimes i just burn a match to to the end to see how it feels it's like oh my gosh like i he he just needs a hug (laughs) but also he gets the rubik's cube and he's like i'm going to figure this out because he can't i guess he can't see color yeah he can't he doesn't know what colors are so he's just like is this one purple and ham is like nope He and Ham so have such good. a good rapport. I love that. They're yeah, they're really funny Nicholas together. Nicholas Cage and John Mulaney <laughs> in a movie together. I want that buddy comedy. Oh yeah, I like the I little trio that um, Penny Parker, Spider Ham, and Spider Man Noir end up ended up kind of being like. They kind of probably all came together and just sort of like. So we need to talk about the fact that we're all Spider people. <laughs> yes, and I, I love the moment where they all when. Not the moment, but each moment when they recognize that they're like, oh, this person's like me. And they say that they're just like, oh, it's such like a comforting way of like being like, oh, we're we're very similar. We're going to be best friends. Exactly. Yeah, it's really it's a sweet moment where they all realize they're not alone. Yeah, I love that. Um, Spider-Man is my favorite. Also, he's he's just got the coolest costume. (laughs) He does have a pretty cool costume. Yeah, that with wind always flowing through his cape or his trench coat rather. Yeah. Um, so mine, probably unsurprisingly, is Spider Gwen. Spider Gwen. Yeah, Spider Gwen. Naturally, I'm gonna love the badass. She's a number female. two. She's my number, she's my runners up. My yeah. runner. And I mean, like Spider Gwen in general is just a great character. She has been in the comics, like, and so I'm glad they like did her justice. And I love Haley Steinfeld as well. So I'm like just a little even fonder of her for that reason. And her haircut is great. Like, thank you, Miles, like for that accident because like. <laughs> That shaved head on her looks so good. <laughs> Happy little accidents. Yeah. Um, but Spider-Gwen is just, you know, she's, you know, the first kind of female spider person we meet in the movie. And, you know, she's iconic in the comics. And it's so exciting to see because, like, the Gwen Stacy, most people know, is the kind of just the tragic story of, like, 
a woman uh, being fridged. And that was the only purpose she served for Peter Parker. You know, um, you know what's really interesting, though? I remember reading that Stanley actually intended Gwen Stacy to be, like, the main love interest for Peter Parker. Like, she was going to be the end game. But then to throw in a twist, like, they killed her in that, you know, big climactic... MJ. Yeah, and MJ came in. So, like, MJ was, like, more meant to be just sort of a side thing rather than be the end game like Gwen Stacy was, which I found always really fascinating because Stanley never intended that that reverse to happen. I do love MJ, though, too. Mm, too. MJ's great. Mm. Um, But it is unfortunate, like, that Gwen Stacy, like, you know, she might have been intended as the end game, but, like, she ended up becoming relegated Mm. as just, like, the death. Um, And so it's exciting to see Spider-Gwen. I, I do want to point out in the movie, she calls herself Spider-Woman, and I would like to take a moment to say that Gwen Stacy is not Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman is an entirely different character in the Marvel comics. Her name is Jessica Drew. She is one of my favorite superheroes of all time. So I just needed to point out that Gwen Stacy is not Spider-Woman. But, Two different people. But, but, but. Spider-Woman but. is best friends with Carol Danvers. And I know she's not going to be in the Captain Marvel movie, but, like, a girl can dream. I mean, I, I don't want to push back too much, but we have to point out they're in different universes. She's the Spider-Woman of that universe. But... <sighs> Jessica will, Jessica Drew was the first Spider-Woman, though, and that's, like, that's yeah, an important Yeah, she's Peter Parker. It. She's the Peter Parker of Spider-Woman. You mean Gwen? No, I mean Jessica Drew. She's, but see, like, in terms the- of... She exists in the same universe as Peter Parker, though. Jessica Drew was never bitten by a spider. She's not a spider. She doesn't have spider powers. Okay. This is the confusing part, is that Jessica Drew, her moniker is Spider-Woman, but she was never bitten by a radioactive spider. Her whole thing, she was tested on, and that's how she got superpowers. Um, She's actually not part of the spider universe. But I just wanted to point that out because Spider-Woman is a different hero. Anya, have you heard of the all-female spider uh, spinoff they're uh, planning with... Uh, yes. Do you know? Because one of the Spider-Girls is Anya Corazon. Is it? Anya. And she, yes, she's Spider-Girl. Oh. And she's the cutest. She's so fun. She and Jessica Drew. Yeah, because it's her, Jessica Drew, um, Black Widow. And I forget if Gwen is on their team. But, yeah, because one of the Spider-Girls spider is Anya. So oh. I'm always like... It's me. Yeah. So I don't know if, if Black Widow will appear in this spinoff, but I know that um, they're planning for Jessica, I think Jessica Drew to show up, like Spider-Woman, and also Silk, who is the the Korean-American um, spider character. Yes. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about like in a movie or? Yeah, in a movie. Yeah. They're planning in a the movie spider-verse spinoff. the Spider-Verse sequel. Yeah. There's going right. to be, spi- be a Spider-Verse sequel and an all-female Spider-Person Spin-off. spin-off, yeah. I knew there was going to be a Spider-Verse sequel. I, yeah. I had... There, I, very, I could have been very out of the loop. I did not hear about the all-female They're currently, spider. like, developing a, a all-female Spider-Verse spin-off with Gwen Stacy at the center and, and yeah. introducing Silk, possibly Jessica Drew, a Spider-Woman, and more. Oh. Yeah. My. You could have... Yeah. It's, it's all these characters. It's so much fun. Anya's really excited. Wait, I'm so I'm so happy. <laughs> I like. I've never. It's like this is I like your movie. I, I know. Well, and I never. I never. I've never thought I would get Jessica Drew in a film because she's not like super well known outside mm. of like the comics. Yeah. Um, but I would but, die. 
But now we have Spider-Ham in a movie, so anything is possible. Anything is possible. This is very true. Yeah. Anyway, Spider-Gwen in the movie is my favorite Spider-Person. Because she can't call herself Spider-Gwen as, like, a moniker, because that would give up her identity. I just love calling her Spider-Gwen, though. Oh, me too. But I'm just saying, like, in-universe, she has to be Spider-Woman. But then what happens when she has a movie with Spider-Woman? I don't know. Miles Morales and Peter Parker are both Spider-Man. That's true. Yes, that's true. true. And Spider-Man in Noir is also Spider-Man. That's the whole, that's the whole message of, of Into the Spider-Verse. Everyone can, can be Spider-Man, Spider-Man on you. Anyone can be Spider-Man. Okay, okay, okay. I think I'm just like a little defensive because Jessica is one of my favorite heroes and like not many people know about her. So I'm always just like preach the gospel of Jessica Drew. Sure, sure. No, I get it. Isn't she also <laughs> a private eye? Uh, no, that's um, Jessica Jones. That's Jessica Jones, right. I think I was reading a Jessica Jones comic where Jessica Drew shows up and she's like, I'm also a private eye too. And I was like, okay. I mean, Jessica Drew. Is a lawyer? Uh, no, that's She-Hulk. Probably does do that and stuff. Jess is one of those like hardened mm. superheroes. But she had a very crappy upbringing and origin story. So mm. like, she's, she's hard-boiled, but not a hard-boiled detective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, HD, who's your HD. favorite spider person? So, um, I do want to give a shout out to Chris Pine's perfect Peter Parker because I love him so much, but because he's so, he's in the movie so briefly, I can't put him as my favorite, but I will give a shout out to him and his great rendition of Spidey Bells in which he has the hero's lament and he says, why did I do this? I have a degree in chemical engineering. (laughs) I love that. Okay. But yeah, Chris Pine, number one, Chris, number one Spider-Man in my heart. But my number one Spider-Man outside of Miles, of course, in this film is probably Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker because I just I love how vulnerable and how flawed he is and how much of it. I I know we we could agree that he's not a a deadbeat, but he has all of the the tropes of like the uh, attributes of a deadbeat. And I like that, too, because he goes through the biggest arc in this and that was something that I really enjoyed watching in which he refused at first to train uh, Miles Morales and basically said like give it don't do the, the superhero life it, it only ruins your life and everything and um, I thought that was a really interesting depiction of like what um, consequences the, sp- the superhero life can wreak upon a man who just like you know is just normal and like cannot deal with all of that And uh, I like at the end that he's willing to sacrifice himself. And it was something that really spoke to me and made me a little emotional. It's like he just wanted to like, he was such a selfish asshole at the beginning. And here he goes through the ultimate growth in which he rediscovers what it was like to be Spider-Man and what it means to be Spider-Man. And finally like tries to sacrifice himself and make, and then at the end he gets to, you know, make his life try to make his life better and uh, make amends and I, I enjoyed that kind of arc I love that arc so I love thick um, deadbeat washed up Spider-Man no. <laughs> he's, not Very as, he's not as thick as Kingpin not as thick as no as one Kingpin. is as thick as Kingpin I like Peter B. Parker so much it's basically Nick Miller from New Girl playing Spider-Man it is it's like, I mean I'm... it's both obviously both played by Jake Johnson, but just sort of, like, Jake Johnson is really good at being sort of, like, schlubby. Yeah. I mean, like, the ahead of this movie, ahead of seeing it, I was like, I need a fix of some sort to get, uh, to get you know, hyped for this movie. So I was just watching a bunch of New Girl clips and, like, falling <laughs> in love with Jake Johnson all over again. So I'm a little bit in, like, a Jake Johnson sort of, uh, you know, phase right now. Phase. And 
Yeah, he's yeah his the new girl kiss. Nothing will beat it, and just yeah. So that definitely like lent to my love for Peter B. Parker a little bit. But I think he was just a great fleshed out character, Um, second only to Miles, who I adored in this movie. I thought when they did the uh, monologue of like Peter Peter B. Parker introducing himself, and they went into like. Basically, because he's been Spider-Man for, like, twice as long as Chris Pine's, they go through all the stuff that Chris Pine hasn't gone through yet. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, oh, 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 sh- shit gets real sometimes. Because mm-hmm. he gets married, and then he gets divorced, and he has to say goodbye to Aunt yeah. May. And I'm just like, oh, man, there's so much going on right now. He has lived a life. He is. He feels like he has lived. And uh, sometimes that gives that isn't the best thing for him um i also like that he made like a bad investment decision and they're just like he's like yeah made some few bad investment decisions (laughs) and that was really funny to me that's so good um yeah no all the characters are so good yeah they're definitely like the shining light of this movie like they're the reason that this movie works so well because it would be easy to be overwhelmed by everything that happens in it if it weren't for how strong the characters were um so i do want to go move on to the plot of this movie uh which we touched on before is pretty like bare bones and simple um you know the kingpin is trying to uh open a door to alternate universes so that he can bring back his wife and son who he drove away and eventually like kind of semi drove to their deaths for which he blames spider-man and uh in doing so he uh threatens to destroy half the universe Um, but he does it for love and that's a one of the main reasons that a lot of spider-man rogues work so well because they are sympathetic sympathetic in that way they they all do it for love or some other empathizable cause yeah um but i will say that so one of the reasons why i was telling anya and willoughby about this before we started recording that like while i really love this film and i think it may be one of my favorite animated films of all time and definitely one of my favorite movies of this year um i will say it's not my number one because i felt like there's not a lot of room to breathe and that's just like there's just like things happen on top of each other on top of each other and what i really um embrace in a movie especially something that is as visually stunning and as visually just like um overwhelming as this is just like to give us a chance to absorb it for a little bit and i don't think that like the pace really you know detracts from the film at all but it's just something that like personally i would like something to do which is why even though i love this movie it is not my favorite spider-man movie still spider-man 2 is still my number one it's just such a perfect movie. But this definitely is my number two. It's it's so good. And uh, I am very happy for how like how much it does for animation. So that's just like my thing for the plot that I wanted to get in. But did you guys have anything that you wanted to add about like the plot and like other th- and like what you thought about it? Um, um, I could have gone for another hour of this movie. Mm. Yeah, it could have been it could have been a three hour movie and I would not have cared <laughs> because it's I just want to live in this world so much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, same. I yeah, I don't really have, I mean, the plot is so simple. It's like I like even, you know, they talk about like the science of like alternate dimensions, whatever. And I'm like, I don't get any of this, but it's also like not important. Yeah. Um, All you need to know is that like. Kingpin has created this thing to bring back his family and it has opened a portal to other dimensions and you have to get the spider people back to their 
home dimensions and like that's really all you need to know about the plot yeah um it's interesting about the the breathing thing because i agree and it's because i felt the beginning of the movie had so much time to breathe Mm. like i remember feeling kind of impatient for miles to get bitten by a spider um but i liked that we got to like see miles I, i like we got to see like his family life and like him going to school and struggling like we got to get to know him. And so I feel like the beginning of the movie had a lot of time to breathe. Mm. And then by the time he gets bitten and like meets Chris Pine's Peter Parker, mm. then it becomes kind of like that nonstop action movie. Yeah. Um, and I do agree. I think that like some, I feel like there were some emotional beats that maybe should have just kind of been stretched out a bit more. Um, but I don't think that's, like, a huge... Yeah. Yeah, it's not a huge, like, detractor for me because I still really enjoyed this film and definitely a lot of it is, like, the strength of the characters and how I love them so much. Um, But I do want to use that to move on to, like, the themes of this and how those characters speak to the overall theme of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is anyone can be behind that mask. Anyone can be a hero. Exactly. And it continues upon, you know, what we saw with in uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, in which anyone can be a hero if they so choose and if they want to be and if they, like, you know, work hard enough. And, like, while you still have to maybe get bitten by a radioactive spider, um, it shows that there isn't just Peter Parker in all these universes. And it's really anyone who, you know, ha- is under the circumstances and also wants to be that hero. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Yeah, that final speech by Miles at the very end of the film where he's talking about this idea of like anyone can be Spider-Man got me so emotional because I just loved that idea I mean because anyone can be a hero and there are different ways to be heroes and I just guys good guys and heroes and inspiring people it just makes me very emotional. Me too, guys. Spider it's movies. It's so good. It's, a, it's a, such a good movie. And, like, I mean, also, like, obviously, like, from the representation aspect, like, you know, seeing Miles is going to be really important for a lot of, like, black and brown kids out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Spider-Gwen is going to be really exciting for a lot of, like, little girls seeing this movie. I mean, Spider Ham is going to inspire all those little all pigs in this movie. Out there. They're going to be like, "Oh my god, I can get off this farm and I could be a Spider Ham." <laughs> so I love, yeah, Spider Ham was so great. It was, I think, it was the most like pop culture joke Spider Ham was because it was so embedded in like that Looney Tunes style of jokes and humor. But I yeah. loved him. And, like, John Mulaney is so funny. <laughs> is this your favorite John Mulaney bit? Cause, I like, mean, yeah. I, mean, I know you don't love his stand-up as much as Willoughby and I, I do. So I like, like his stand-up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because, like, he's great. I like him. I just don't, like, you know, quote him endlessly. And I think, But I think he was great in this. And I'm. this is his first, I think, big acting role. And I think he nailed it. Oh, you forget Fox's sitcom Mulaney. In which he starred as Did he John star in Mulaney that? For, yeah. Oh, I forgot. He was Mulaney. That. Yeah, I remember that happened. I'm it like, was basically a Seinfeld ripoff. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but also, like, you, you also need to watch Oh Hello, because that is another Oh Hello! Act. Oh Hello is a great acting 
performance by John Mulaney. Um, and Nick Kroll. And Nick Kroll. Oh, yeah, they're um, a team, I remember. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the theme of this movie definitely, definitely got me right right in the heart. Right here. Yep. What about you, Willoughby? Oh, yeah, totally. And also the funeral scene with the Stanley cameo right before it. I was just in tears during that whole thing. Yeah, um, the family then, cameo was yeah. so good. Oh, my God. And then the uh, finale moments were just so good because it's just sort of like everyone knows that each other's out there now. Yeah. And the, the, the scene at the end where Miles is looking at his phone and, like, he's got a picture of uh, – or it's just Gwen have a – it's a, like Gwen a picture. Has a picture it's just, either way, it's a her, selfie yeah. – selfie of Gwen and Miles like on the bus back from the uh the lab with Peter like in the background it's just so good it's so good 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 teens good youth yes agreed all right I think that's a good way to wrap up our review of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse before we do that let's give this a rating out of five stars because that's the number of stars we always do and i always remember that <laughs> <laughs> always always um will be you go first how many stars out of Un- five unsurprisingly five stars five stars okay anya i think that there's a reason that i shouldn't give it five stars that's the thing if you can't think of a reason it's how we got ht to do five for paddington if you can't think of a fault it's gonna be five stars i mean i guess the fault would be like the some of the pacing but like you can do like 4.8 or something because there's no <laughs> reason really... for you not to do that <laughs> be really specific um you know whatever i'm just gonna give it five all right hold yes. on it's like a perfect uh-huh. film it's yes I'm going to do it 4.8. So what does that come out to? Let's do the 4.933333. So a point one taken off for a little bit of the pacing. (laughs) Yes. Basically a perfect film. 4.9 out of 5 is what the Millennial Falcon gives Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Love it. Yeah. All right. So, with that, let's move on to our final segment of this episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. All righty then. Willby, you go first, please. What is your really like this week? I've been watching, or just started watching, uh, the Netflix series She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And it's very good. I like it. Um, I used to watch the old He-Man show when it was on like Cartoon Network reruns, like maybe 10, 15 years ago. So it's like fun to like kind of revisit the the world of He-Man and She-Ra. Even though He-Man's not in this, it's all She-Ra, um, all She-Ra all the time. And uh, it's very good. I like. I I just like the idea of a character growing up in a society thinking they're the good guys, and then she realizes that they're the bad guys. And then has to join the actual good guys. And it's just so, like, I kind of love that whole, like, rebellious, rebellion line of, like, you know, kind of, like, reevaluating what you thought you knew in the world. And realizing that, like, nature versus nurture is such a, like, hardcore thing that, like, if you think that, yeah, like, the princesses with their, like, tiaras and magical powers are the bad guys. You have to be so 
brainwashed or even not brainwashed, just conditioned to thinking something like that. Um, when you when you live in something called the fright zone and they live in a place called Bright Moon and you mm-hmm. think Bright Moon is the evil place, like it's so fascinating to kind of see that the the intricacies of like conditioning in in mm-hmm. in, in, in like an evil empire society. Yeah, because um, it kind of harkens back to a book that I was reading, uh, Star Wars: Lost Stars, in which like these characters grow up in the Empire and they're like pilots and they're stormtroopers. And then, like, one of them sort of, like, realizes, like, once the Death Star blows up a planet, they're just like, what the fuck was that for? Um, and, like, they they kind of break away from the Empire. And this this gave me, like, those same, like, feelings about that. And she was a great, uh, or Adora is a great character. And she has these great uh, best friends who are, like, who, like, find her and they find the sword. And it's all, it's all very good. I like it. Um, yeah. I'm only three episodes in, so I can't do a full review of season one but it's it's very good and the animation is really cool yeah i've seen uh she-ra i think you'll really like it anya if you haven't seen it yet um because i've heard really good things. yeah there's a really interesting dynamic between she-ra and katra who in yeah. the series like they grow up together and they're like best friends but when she-ra defects katra becomes like her mortal enemy and there's such a good dynamic between them because they still have that underlying friendship um and katra is such a good complex villain too who is you know sympathize sympathetic and yet you know will do things that will put her at odds with she with odora and i love their dynamic it reminds me a little bit of of buffy and faith and almost has that sort of similar push-pull um like during the mayor plot line yeah and something that's like just one tiny like difference and yet like catra is even more complex i think almost because like she she also was like has this inferiority complex to Dora growing up with her. And uh, it's it's really interesting. I think you'll like it. There's so many good complex female relationships in this series. And it reminds me, too, of, like, how many, how much variety of female characters it, this there is. It reminds me a little of Sailor Moon. Um, and Love it. And uh, not just in, like, the transformation sequences, which are very Sailor Moon. So I think I think if you like Sailor Moon and uh, if you like complex female characters, uh, you will enjoy this this series. Well, really, I gotta get on this. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing nothing but good things, but I I need to pump it up. And also, Shira's costume will make fanboys cry. So that's how. That's yeah, what you gotta do. That, that's why you gotta watch it. She's not sexy. I don't know. They're so dumb. What? Yeah. Oh my god. I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Ruin their childhoods um, one one animated show at a time. <laughs> this is uh, has been our plan all along. Mm-hmm. So Anya, what's your really like this week? So speaking of badass women, I'm gonna go with the Men in Black International trailer. Yay! Because I watched that and I was like, yo, I've been looking forward to this. For, since it was announced, because like the idea of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson as a team, can you get any better than that? They're the they're the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks of action movies. <laughs> honestly, honestly, and like bless people for recognizing that. Like, yes, Chris Hemsworth is a great action star, but like seeing him in goofy roles is the best form of Chris Hemsworth. Clearly, um, I love the original Men in Black films. I think they're funny and you know classics. I'm not like hugely attached to them. Um, 
And I like that this movie is not kind of like a, an erasure of them. It's just like a branching off of them and just showing that the Men in Black agency is worldwide. Mm. Um, and so I like that. It's international. Of, it's international. Oh, what? Um, but let's get to what I really like about the trailer. And that's Tessa Thompson. Specifically, Tessa Thompson in a suit. Yeah. With sunglasses. Wielding a big gun, hating on Emma Thompson. It was like everything I could have ever wanted. Just wow. <laughs> I'm I'm overwhelmed, you guys. <laughs> it looks fun, it looks funny, it's a great cast. Um, and I am so excited to just see these two kind of team up again. Because they were great in Thor Ragnarok. And I know they're going to be hilarious and so much fun in this movie. And the trailer got me so hyped. So Anya, I want to ask you, have you heard the theory that uh, Tessa Thompson's character is like the daughter of Will Smith's character in this film? I haven't. But I mean, it would make sense. Like. I kind of, why oh, she kind of like that? Because, like, the whole idea of, like, the trailer reveals that she's been the one, like, looking for the men in black. Mm-hmm. And, like, she finds them. And it's, like, I wonder if, like, part of it is, like, oh, my dad was one. And, like, I have this, like. Yeah. I can't remember. Did Will Smith have, have a family before he left it? No. I I honestly can't remember. I don't I don't, think he did. I mean, he may, have, he may have had a girlfriend. Yeah. I can't remember. It's I been so of, long. My gut tells me she won't be mm-hmm. his daughter, but I like that theory anyway. Yeah, it makes sense too, but it might, yeah. it probably won't come to pass, but it's a fun theory. It's a fun theory. And like, either way, like, I love just Tessa Thompson being like, like, I love the idea of like this, this female character being so gung-ho and being like, I'm going to find this secret agency and then I'm going to make them give me a job. Yeah, I love that. She and watched I'm that like, one episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved and just said, I'm going to find those fucks. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, Men in Black International. I'm pumped. All right. Yay. So my um, really like for this week is kind of tied into our review. I really like the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Christmas album. Yes. <laughs> which recently got released. And um, it has all the songs uh, performed. Well, it has two songs performed by Chris Pine as Peter Parker, which one of which is Spidey Bells, which I have mentioned at least twice on this podcast already and um there's a song by Shamik Moore who reveals to who turns out to have a really great voice so smooth and um excellent for singing um there's a song by uh uh Jorma yeah Jorma Tacone his name right yeah and then one by Jake Johnson uh (laughs) And uh, it's who I think got a little auto tune help, but I yeah. think the other one's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was it was in line too when he starts screeching at the high notes, and you're just like, oh, that's that's Peter B. Parker. Oh, that's silly goof. And uh, I think it's just so fun, and um, I'm gonna be playing it nonstop until the Christmas Christmas arrives. And it's also sh- is a great um, showcase for Chris Pine, the comedian. People always kind of write off as the as not the best Chris because you know he's so serious and isn't as I don't know on active on social media and everything. But he has a good funny bone. Not only is he a great actor and like artist, 
but he can be funny and let loose, and you guys should have seen it by now. Anyways, listen to the Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse Christmas album and hear Chris Pine just like go all in on Spidey Bells. He really, he really he na- goes nails it. All yeah. in. <laughs> it's very good. It's very like oh, it, he's he's playing into like the melodrama of mm. it all, and I really like it. He's so fun, and I just want everyone to know that he's the best Chris. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was my rant. <laughs> You know what? He should have been in La La Land. <gasps> oh. He should have been the Ryan Gosling role. He would have been good see, in that. I'm, I'm afraid if he had been, because like everyone dragged Ryan Gosling so much. Like I do but not want to. Ryan Gosling's not a great singer. No, I know, but like I don't think they dragged him just for that. I think they dragged him for like the writing around the character yeah. and like. Oh. Well, and I just don't want to see Chris Pine in a situation where people are going to drag him. Yeah. He's a pure you know, perfect baby. He, he, he might, He's you know, played complex characters like... before, though, Anya. Yeah, but, like, then everyone would have been dragging him for saving Jazz, and, like, he just does not need his name oh, dragging in mud you, like you that. Prefer, you prefer the meme to be that Ryan Gosling saved Jazz and not Chris Pine saved Jazz? I don't think, I, I don't, I, well, I'd rather have a white man I care less about being dragged for that than a white man well, I, I think do care about. I think the problem with that is that people are dragging him because the movie was trying to present him as, like, you know, a good guy when really he was an asshole and i think chris pine could have played the asshole part a little bit better you know we would have been maybe i just i just him. do not i just don't want to risk putting <laughs> chris pine in that situation <laughs> where film but i think he should be in a full-blown i think he should be the lead in a musical because he was in into the woods but only like the one scene i mean agreed i would love to see him in a musical that would be yes. did you say he was in one scene well like you know like only had like one more than one scene. Either. I mean, he's in more than one scene, but only had basically like a show, one showcase. I mean, agony is agony. Agony is really good, but it was just like one part of a like he could have been. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know I what I mean. No, I know. I'm hyperbolizing. Anyways, he's yeah, he's so good. Okay, <laughs> that's our episode. Reminder: We all really love Chris Pine. He's perfect. Um, if you guys have any thoughts about anything we've discussed in this episode, including Chris Pine or Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Verse Christmas album, She-Ra, or the new trailer for Men in Black International, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. You can listen to our you can nope. You know what? You, well, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, uh, but you can also go to our blog, MillennialFalconPodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. And. This will be our last episode of the year. We won't be returning until the second week of January. So have a happy holidays, everyone. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. 